Thank you very much. Here we are, Wednesday night. Like I said, I'm excited. I was sitting there thinking, uh, why am I excited? I thought maybe there could be a couple of folks in the auditorium tonight, really quick now, uh, could give me a couple of reasons for why we could be so excited. Anybody? I know we don't have a microphone, but that's okay. Shout it out. What? What do you got? 
Closest thing to heaven. That's a wonderful thing to be in God's house, surrounded by God's people here. Together. I just love it. The fellowship that we can have, the encouragement we can have with one another. Uh, One more. One more. Really quick. Yes, sir, in the back. Oh, man. And we're reminded, reminded of that, thankful for that gift. Every single time. I was told, I think Brother Brad told me today... Uh, through the course of May, we've seen 11 souls saved, and so out door knocking, that is. And so that is encouraging, just to see those souls being saved, accepting that gift, that free gift of salvation. Man, it's exciting. And if you haven't been able to be a part of that yet, if you haven't experienced that, you're missing out. Take the opportunity. There's many opportunities throughout the week, obviously, at work and at the store, but we have opportunities here on Saturdays and Tuesdays. We've seen souls saved during those visitation slots. And uh, we're not wasting our time. Uh, many people may say that we are. The devil tries to get us to believe that we are. But we're not. We're not wasting our time. And we are sealed. I'm thankful for that. First uh, Samuel. First Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30. We're going to start, actually I'm going to read just one verse out of this portion of Scripture. We're going to bounce around just a little bit, and uh, we'll read as much Scripture as possible tonight. Um, We're going to be talking about, we're going to learn about David. And the more I read about David, and the more I've studied over these last few weeks, and specifically for this message now, man, David, David was a bad dude. Uh Uh-huh. David, man... He was a wild man at times. And um, we have a lot to learn from David. And this is before he's king here. But he is in the midst of some difficult times in this portion of Scripture. Obviously, he is being chased. Um, He's on the run. Uh, King Saul is after him. And he's struggling with that. He's burdened down by that. And so he is burdened. He's weighted uh, with these issues with these situations, these difficulties. And to make matters worse, uh, he's in charge of about 600 men at this point in time. And they're following him. They're obeying him. He's leading. uh, And they're just doing what he says. And they get back to this place, Ziklag here, that we, we read about. And the Amalekites had done just some terrible deeds. They had come through and just wiped out Ziklag. They had burned it to the ground. And the problem being... Uh, David and many of these men that are with him have families there in Ziklag. Well, no longer, anyway. Uh, they came through and they, the uh, Amalekites, they just destroyed Ziklag. They burned it to the ground and then they took all the, the, the women, all the boys, all the girls, they took them hostage. They're gone. So these men show up and they've been through it. Them and David, they have been struggling. They've been on the run. They're here and they're there. They're worn down physically, mentally. And they show up and it's burnt to the ground and their families are gone. It talks about there in those first five verses how they're weeping. They are crying. They are so distraught. They they, they cry to the point where they can cry no longer. They are so upset, so disappointed. And they begin to take their anger and aggression out on their fearless leader, David. And we find there in verse number 6, a very familiar verse. See, David is extremely, uh, he's extremely upset, very disappointed for his own losses, not to mention now 
King David's trying to kill him. Or I'm sorry, King Saul is trying to kill him. And now his own men want to kill him. We see in verse number 6, a very familiar verse. It says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And I'm thankful for this verse. And even more so than normal as I read it, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. I feel that as I have quoted that verse or the latter portion of that verse, I stopped there, but I thought it was interesting there. The Lord his God. Go to, go to Psalm 63. I was reading this just in my devotions a few weeks ago, and I saw how these verses tied together. Uh, we'll, we'll bring them all together here soon. Uh, 63, Psalm 63, we'll read the first five or six verses. It says, and David speaking here, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus shall I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Uh, this verse specifically are these verses here, that portion of Scripture, specifically dealing with a portion of Scripture here in 1 Samuel 22. If you could go there. I, I told you we'd be bouncing around here to start things off. Stick with me. Stay with me here. Uh, it's coming to a close. We're going to get there. It, there's nothing wrong with w- reading the Bible, though. That's why we're here, isn't it? We're reading God's Word. We want to hear what He has to say. I've got nothing for you tonight. And so we're going to read the Bible, and there's some good stuff in here. So we just read that there in uh, Psalm 63. And right here in verse... Well, we'll read down through verse number 5. First uh, Samuel 22, starting in verse number 1. It says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the, to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren... And all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And every one that was in distress, and every one that was in debt, and every one that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them, and there were with him about four hundred men. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab. And he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you, till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Hereth. Now in this forest is where we found that prayer in Psalm 63. Uh, you see, David is on the run again. He is hiding Uh, from Saul. He is going through some serious difficulties. And there we found him in Psalm 63, a prayer like that. We've got to get to our God 
in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trial and tribulation, we've got to get back to our God. Uh, We look and seek for pleasure and peace in all the wrong places. And David, a wonderful example in multiple occasions in the Bible, is seeking Jesus, seeking God, His Heavenly Father. In the most difficult of situations, or perhaps on a peaceful sunny day watching his father's flock on the backside of a desert, communing, praising his God. That relationship with God so awfully important. Through the difficult times, through the good times, that relationship with God. Now we saw there in verse number 2, it talked about a, a group of rough men. Uh, they were... Uh, what does it say specifically? Distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves together. Later on in Scripture we find these are, this is a rough group of guys. They're not exactly godly men. But David takes them in and they listen and they follow him. He's a great leader. Uh, there's about 400 and through the course of time he gains and through victory and uh, as he continues to lead... He sees a couple hundred more guys following him. He's up to about 600 men. And this is the key verse. This is where I'm going to pull it from. In 1 Samuel 25. One more verse I'm going to read to you and then we'll pray. We'll get into our message. 1 Samuel 25, it says, And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men, and 200 abode by the stuff. I want to focus on the latter portion of that verse tonight. I want to zero in on that simple phrase. And 200 abode by the stuff. They're getting ready to go to battle. They're heading to fight. They're following David. 400 say, yeah, sure, let's do this, let's go, I've got my sword, I'm ready. And 200 say, I'm good to go. They abode by the stuff. I want to talk to you tonight about some stuff. Stuff. Very simple. I'm going to say that, I'm going to say, use that word stuff about 483,000 times tonight. So if you forget what we talked about tonight, you got problems. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Stuff. Very simple. Very basic. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you. Lord, I pray that you just be with me and give me the words to say. Lord, I'm thankful for this book, the Bible. I'm thankful for David and the great example that he has set here in Scripture the many times through difficulty that he's seeking you, looking for you, searching for you, God. I pray that I'd be the same way. And every person in here, focus on you and zero in on you, Lord. We live in a wicked day, a sinful day. Father, the devil is after us and we need you, God. Please bless the remainder of the time that we have here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, we've got to move quickly here. But we're talking about stuff. And I want to explain myself for just a moment. I want to clarify exactly what I'm talking about. In the course of Scripture, the word stuff is used 16 different times in 13 different verses. And many times when that, virtually every time when that word, that specific word is used in Scripture, 
It's talking about a belonging of some kind, a personal belonging, a sentimental uh, belonging. Um, And many times, it's also speaking of how that belonging probably should be left behind. For instance, when Jacob and or, or Israel was getting, to head, getting ready to head back to uh, Egypt to be with his son Joseph, the, the king there said, hey, just tell, tell your family they can leave all of their stuff behind because I'm going to take care of all their needs. I, I, I'm going to provide for them. I'm going to give them everything they need. When it's used, there's one time it's used in the New Testament, Jesus is talking about His second coming. He's being asked about His second coming. And He talks about how we need not, when, when it's time for Him to come back and it's time for us to go, there's going to be no need to hurry and grab our stuff because what we're going to have in heaven is far greater than anything that we could have here on earth. Leaving that stuff behind. And here, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to get a drink of water. Anyone dealing with allergies? Anybody at all? No? Oh, you guys are doing better than I am. All right, good. Scratchy. <clears throat> we'll see. Now, in this portion of Scripture that we just read, these men, these 200 men, they're going, they've decided in the midst of battle, they're supposed to be headed to battle, they're going to stick by, they're going to stay with the stuff. They're going to stay with their stuff. Where they're comfortable. Uh, where it brings ease of mind. They're not worried. They, they, they feel secure with their stuff. You see, it's a little scary out there on the battlefield. But there's some things we're going to learn about this. Some things they missed out on. In, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 8. I'm not going to read it for sake of time. But they missed out on experiencing some victory. You see, before David went, he asked God. He says, remember uh, those Amalekites, they come and destroy Ziklag. And he's hot. He's angry. He's upset. And he asked God, should I go after him? And God says, go. You got this thing. You were going to destroy them. And he did. We can have confidence when God is on our side. When God has told us to go, and David went. But there were some men that stayed behind, and they missed out on a victory. We have some stuff. And let me explain myself. It comes in many forms. For the teenager, for the single, perhaps it's a car, a job, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Their social media account, education. That young or middle-aged married couple, perhaps it comes in the form again of a job or children, sports, hobbies, status. Maybe we we talk about the young at hearts, work and leisure, hobbies, grandkids, retirement. Hey, there's some things that take our priorities away from God. And listen... Nothing I just mentioned there was bad. I'm not, I'm not preaching about... When I mention stuff tonight, I'm not talking about sin. I, I want you to understand that. That's not really what I'm getting at tonight. I'm not trying to attack any person's sin or something they're dealing with that. As far as um, morals in some form or fashion. That's not what I'm talking about. We have ourselves today in this day and age in which we live, we have spread ourselves so thin. So very, very thin. We have so many things going on. We have so much stuff that we care about. And we have no time for God. 
We have no time for the church. We have no time to experience victory today because we're too busy with our stuff. Now, when I mention the word stuff tonight, it's a very broad term. Very, very, extremely broad term. But I guarantee tonight you as an individual will have some specifics that cross your mind. When I mention the word stuff, talking about how through the many things that we have in our life, we don't have time for God. We're not experiencing victory as we should be, as God would like us to be because of our stuff. There's going to be some specific things that cross your mind. And yours will be different than mine. The person sitting over here will be different probably than the person sitting over there. And the person in this section will probably be different than the person sitting in that section. We all have some things that possibly we should get rid of. Specifically, you, you know exactly what it is. As I speak tonight, as God begins to press on your heart and your mind, and you're going to have a decision to make when we come to the conclusion of this service, are you going to lay that specific thing at the altar and get back to where you need to be with God? Because, because, because of that thing, you are not experiencing victory. Number two, you're not experiencing personal blessings. Verses 21 through 23 of that same chapter, I'll read that. It says, And David came to the 200 men which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook of Besser. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. When David came near to the people, he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men and the men of Belial of those that went with David. That's the 400 other men that went with him. And said, because they went not with us, we will not give them all to the spoil that we have recovered. Save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, ye shall not do so, my brethren. With that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. He says, no, 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 don't, no. Yeah, I know, that's a natural reaction. These men are a little upset. Why didn't they come with us? Remember, they stayed by the stuff. And they said, well, all the spoil, anything that we recovered as a result of this victory, they're not getting any of it. David said, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. No. They were received, but there's a difference here. When I use the word personal blessing. I I consider it in this form. There is something to be said when you get out and you work with your hands and you accomplish something. Maybe you've got a job to do in the backyard and you've been putting it off and you get out there and you get the job done. There's a sense of accomplishment there. Perhaps when we get done with the spring promotion and we saw souls saved and lives changed, we had a number of visitors And we're excited about it, but you think to yourself, honestly, I played no part in that. There's a blessing here for the entire church, the entire church family, but there's no gratification or satisfaction because you weren't there for it. Personal blessings. You're missing out. You're too busy with all your stuff. There's too many things. You're stretched too thin. I'm too busy. I've got my hobby. I've got my job. I've got my other job. I've got no time for you, God. I've got no time for victory. I've got no time for you to bless me, God. Then we see here productive relationships. 
These men were a little upset. They were all on the same side. They're, they're, they were together in this thing, but when those men stayed back, those 200 men, they stayed home, they stayed with the stuff, those 400 men were a little upset, a little disappointed, not so happy. You know what? Service is a powerful thing. And we must do everything in our power here as Christians, children of God, to get out and be obedient to what God has for us. And the commands that He has placed here in His book, this Bible. And when some people are doing the work and others aren't doing the work, listen, we're all flesh here. We are all sinners. We all make mistakes and we all have things that cross through our mind every once in a while. We get a little upset. I'm the only one doing anything around here. That's where these men were at. They don't deserve any of the spoils that were recovered, David. They weren't a part of it. Now there's relationship problems. Then finally, can you imagine with me for just a second, if those men, I'm talking all those men, King David, those 400 extra men, all 600 of them, decided to stay, stay home with all the stuff. They had a victory. And David, he had lost two wives. When they won, when they saw that victory, he recovered his wives. There were boys and girls that were able to come back and see daddy again. Moms and dads were united. As a result of this victory, if they'd have said, it's just too big, it's too scary, it's too hard, I can't do it, I'm going to stay here where I'm comfortable. None of those marriages would have been restored. None of those lives would have been saved. I want to encourage you tonight, you're dealing with some stuff, you're struggling, you're, you're... You're fighting, you're warring, you're going back and forth with yourself. Do I give myself to God or do I just enjoy this time that I have here on this earth? Make as much money as I possibly can. Just to, uh, I want to secure that retirement. I want to make sure that I am set and ready to go all the while leaving God in the dust, just pushing Him away. And there's souls out there that are lost and dying and on their way to a devil's hell. And we're too busy with our stuff. We're too busy Number one, they were unable, they did not experience victory. They weren't able to experience personal blessings. There were relationships, productive relationships there that were severed. And then they they didn't see any souls saved. Those specific few that stayed behind. Oh, what an amazing time it is, what a joyous time it is to be at that door and to see a soul come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. What a wonderful time it is. And how I'm excited and I'm thrilled when that soul is saved. But I think of all the times that I could have done more. I I could have been a better witness and a better example. Too many times I just was willing to stay home. I'm tired, I'm worn out. I've got some stuff, and I deserve it. I deserve it. I don't have much time, but I'm going to close with a a simple story here. Time went fast tonight. It's about a... a, Nope. 
I'm going to skip that story. It's going to take too much time. I want to close with an example. I'm not supposed to tell that story tonight, I guess. I asked the Lord to tell me not to if I wasn't supposed to. I was really hoping to tell that story, though. <laughs> I like that story. Maybe some other time. I want to talk about a man really quick and close it down. It's about one of the saddest stories in the Bible. One of the most disappointing stories in God's Word. It's about a man by the name of Demas. Many of you remember, I talked uh, about a week and a half ago, I, I brought a message from Philemon. And at the end of that book in Philemon, Paul mentions his name with a group of, uh, a small group of names, and Demas is one of them. In Colossians, he is mentioned again. He is one of the brethren. All right? He's a fellow laborer. He is doing the work. He is serving faithfully. He's doing everything he's supposed to be doing. But then something terrible happens. Something absolutely terrible happens. And sadly enough, there are Demases in every single church, in every single congregation. You say, well, well, that doesn't sound too bad. He sounded like a pretty good guy. Absolutely. Yes, he was. I'll just read it here. I have it written out. 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, it says, For Demas hath forsaken me. Paul's speaking here. Demas was a man that Paul could go to. They could speak about spiritual things. They had a good relationship, a fellow laborer. 2 Timothy 4, verse 10 says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and departed unto Thessalonica. Having loved this present world, I'm telling you, he was the best church member you could think of. When you think of a good church member, I'm talking about a Sunday school teacher. I'm talking about someone that's singing in the choir, a faithful usher. He's standing at the door every single service. You can always count on him. He's someone you can go to for advice. You believe this is a man that's got a relationship with God. He reads his Bible. He prays. Something happened. He got his eyes on something other than Jesus. He got his eyes off of God. That world. And sometimes the world looks very nice. Sometimes it looks pretty appetizing. There's a, people are having a lot of fun out there. And oh, we talk, to, we talk to the teenagers about this one all the time. These teenagers, that world looks really nice. But hey, each and every single one of us are struggling. The devil is tempting. Every single day. Listen, I was driving to church today, tonight, on my way for the service. I was thinking about the message. I was praying, and it was unbelievable as I was praying how many times the devil was throwing things at me to change my train of thought, to try to distract me with something evil, something wrong. He was throwing stuff at me continually. It wouldn't stop. I was getting frustrated. Honestly, I was. And I continued to pray. We are being bombarded every single day with evil, with wickedness. Demas, he slipped. He fell. I'm talking about someone that's sitting with us here tonight. 
Someone that's sitting here on a Wednesday night, faithful in God's house. And guess what? You've got some stuff at home that you enjoy, that you like. There's nothing wrong with it in and of itself. But that stuff has begun to make its way up in your priority list. And you no longer, you're starting to run out of time for God. You're starting to run out of time for church. You're unable to serve in the ministries you used to serve in because you got too much stuff going on. Before you know it, oh, I would, I would never. Demas. I'm talking about someone that Paul wrote about multiple times in, in Scripture. A good man. I would, that would never happen to me. Folks. When I use that word stuff, what comes to mind? What is that simple distraction that the devil is using? It's not even a bad thing. What is that thing that the devil is using that is keeping you from taking the next step in your spiritual walk? You see, it's stuff. Stuff is why there are boys and girls that are unable to get on a church bus because we don't have enough bus workers and bus drivers today. Stuff is the reason our Sunday school, we could have more Sunday school teachers, but we don't have time for that because we've got too much stuff. I don't have time to sing in the choir. I don't have time to come to church on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Now, oh, I do that. Now, I don't have time to be there on Tuesday nights. I don't have time for soul winning. I missed my Bible reading today because I got too much stuff going on. It's just today, though. I'll get back at it tomorrow. Stuff. They stayed with the stuff. They missed out. What, what are you missing out on today? You think, I'm enjoying life. I'm having a good time. Job's going well. I got a nice car. Family, great family. Love the kids. Amazing wife, amazing husband. All of what are you missing out on today? What else could you be doing? I don't know. I know I was all over the place tonight. For that, I'm sorry. But if you can just remember that, that simple thought, and I'm burdened down by it because I know that I fall short. Stuff. We've got too much stuff going on. We don't have time for God. How do you, how do you know that? Did you see the Go Rally on Saturday? Well, I know why. Because it was the walkathon. Yes, again, we're relying on the teenagers to do all the work. Where are we at, folks? Where are we at, folks? We've got too much stuff. And you say, that's not me. Mm. Too much stuff. Perhaps, like I, I mentioned a moment ago, there's something specific that has crossed your mind that you know needs to be eliminated. Not sin. I'm not talking about sin. Something needs to be eliminated because you're unable to serve God to your fullest ability. What is it? What did God send your way just now when I mentioned it? Now are we willing to be obedient? Father, we come to you, Lord. I pray that you just be with us. Help us tonight to be obedient to your leading, your guiding, and your directing.